Maybe like in the end credits, I'll add music here. That'll be a little bit like horror-y, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Add like the goo going down like you did last time. That's what we did last year where we had yeah. blood coming down. Oh, it was blood. Oh, the, you know what I'm thinking of with the goo was uh, the Goosebumps credits. I don't know if you ever, like, you know, the TV show for Goosebumps? Oh, I thought you meant our Goosebumps reaction from, like, almost no, two no, years no, ago. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about the actual show that it did. It would play the credits, but it would be this kind of green ooze kind of seeping down as the credits went. Got it. Well, welcome to the after the reaction of Poltergeist. That's yeah. the movie we just watched. Um, man, not pleasantly surprised. Not even surprised because I heard this movie was really good. Yeah. But just, like... You know when you just watch a great movie, no matter how dark it is, you're just kind of overjoyed. You're like, oh, I think I just saw one of my favorites. Yeah, I think it was a cool, like, in a weird way, it was a cool family movie. Like, in the sense of, like, I can see, like, a tough family watching this together with the kids. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it would, it definitely incorporates, like, what it's like to be a parent, too. Mm -hmm. I just love that scene of just, like... Okay, you got to be a dad. You got to be strict with her. It's like, well, I don't speak my children, but you got to do this for this case or whatever. It just yeah. it incorporates that a lot and tiny details too. Like I said, it's kind of thrown out there that he's a real estate agent, and oh, all these houses look the same. But in any other movie, it would just be like, okay, that's just the dad's job. We're just showing the dad's job. It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. But it has so much to do with the horror elements. Yeah, it all pays off really interestingly. Like it, it sets itself up as like a very traditional American family. Yes. And, and it literally opens, like I said earlier, with the national anthem playing. And and like a really close-up of the, the pixels on the TV, and as it slowly pulls back, it was really interesting to look at. Yeah, when it comes to like setting the tone, I mean, again, the only other Tobe Hooper movie I've seen is Texas Chainsaw, mm -hmm. which I want to check out his other stuff. But, like, remember how Texas Chainsaw, like, opens with that shot of, like, the radio... Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, it gives you the sense of the world we're going to be living in and the tone of the movie. And this movie does exactly that with the TV and the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah, he has these... He clearly has a lot of takes about the media and the way we spin things and, like... Or also just, like, the consequences of what America's doing when it comes to, like, growth and capitalism and building your suburban household. Literally built on top of bodies. That's yeah. kind of what it is trying to say. And now it's, like, it's the idea of, like... Remember how the movie, like, cuts, too? Now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, it goes to the TV, they're here. Well, she doesn't say they're here just yet. Mm -hmm. um, the opening shot is of the TV, her coming to it, putting her hands on it, and does this jarring cut to, like, the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. And at first, I'm just like, oh, it's doing that jarring cut just to have us be uneasy. And now it's like, oh, that has to do with the story of just, like... The spirits are haunted by what you've built. Yeah, like this is what's under the surface. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, very smart. Like Halloween kind of has similar themes to that. The original John Carpenter Halloween. The idea of like evil. You think you're safe in this suburban white neighborhood. Exactly. <laughs> Having this kind of illusion of um, safety and security. And this movie deals with it in the sense of like this, this illusion that uh, your actions, even mm. though they're with the intent of growing and everything... Yeah. Don't have consequences. Yeah, like, like what, what the American dream is built on. Yes, you know. <laughs> yeah, that it's really like smart stuff, and yeah. it's also that combined with like that Spielberg sensibility of movie magic and how he move. It's it's like Tobe Hooper, and I, I want to give him all the credit because he did direct this movie. Mm -hmm. But you can tell this is a story by Spielberg. I will say, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, like Spielberg, did, he co-wrote it with other writers, but the story was by him. Yeah. And so you can tell that it's his mind combined with Tobe Hooper. Especially like the first 
15, 20 minutes reminded me of like those Spielberg presents movies, you know, like the Goonies and the Gremlins. Yes. How they have that, like a bunch of the kids talking over each other, getting into shenanigans. It was just such like the voice of the 80s, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that kind of style. Um, and what's kind of great about it, the reason why it works is what you're saying, is how Halloween has this level of just like, you're not safe even of your own safe suburban mm-hmm. uh, life. I think the, what this movie's trying to do is just like, look, we all know this like magical Spielberg land. Dark shit's still gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Like the movie's kind of meta about the fact that it's a Spielberg production. The way it hard cuts to yeah. a Spielberg production, which is kind of whimsical music. It knows too. what it's doing totally, which is so interesting. You know. Yeah, and then it just goes from zero to a hundred fast. Like as soon as that tree comes to life, yeah, you, like the whole dial just changes for the movie because it gets you safe in that feeling of like, oh, I'm gonna watch ET or I'm watching like, yeah, like weird stuff happens. Obviously with the chairs, like it, it, the bird dying, the bird dying, and. Um, um, we're still having the chairs and then like the, her talking to the uh, TV yeah. and all that stuff. But as soon as, yeah, then it just gets really... It's when, like what you said, when the t- tree comes in and eats the it kid. It straight up tries to eat the kid. It gets fucking wild at that point. <laughs> um, okay, should I just say, tell my like sleepwalking yes, story? Yes, yeah, tell your sleepwalking story. Okay, uh, so my parents, my whole family, we really laugh about this still. Um my dad laughs about it every time like we like I go back home but basically what's happened I was a very little kid you know like how little probably like um young like first second grade okay so like six or seven eight territory maybe not even that I was probably yeah around like five or six okay um and yeah basically like I woke up so this was not technically sleepwalking but I woke up to go pee, but instead of like going to the bathroom, I went to my parents' room, opened like the like one of the cabinets, uh-huh. like one of the drawers that have clothes in them, yeah, and just started peeing. You just peed right on. <laughs> and my dad woke up, be like, "Oh, oh, what are you doing?" <laughs> and my parents like laugh. It's been like over a decade, obviously. They still torture you about it. They still laugh at me <laughs> How about could you it. Not though. Because imagine, like, again, that's the thing I talked about. Like, imagine waking up and seeing your daughter talk to the TV. Imagine waking up and seeing your son just peeing on your clothes. Yeah. Like the exorcist. <laughs> yeah, it was like a Reagan moment. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but I've never told you that story. No. And I when didn't. we were watching this movie, I'm like, oh, okay, I have the perfect story. <laughs> yeah, Save but, it for the pod. So that wasn't sleepwalking, technically. I was, I was just in... I woke up to go pee. I was conscious about that. Oh, okay. So it was like this weird state of like sleepwalking. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, kids do weird like shit subconsciously all the time. Like, you know, the whole thing of like sometimes you put cereal in the refrigerator or something like that. Oh, yeah. Well, people still do that. And yeah, just dumb little things. Yeah. That your mind just kind of shuts off for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I I told you the story, but I knew a kid who poured a glass of milk straight on his dinner. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And just being like, oh, (laughs) He, yeah, he was probably like eight or nine and he had his dinner and I think I think he meant to do like salt or something. I don't know. But yeah, like I said, he, he spaced <laughs> up so hard. He had a full glass of milk with his dinner and just started to pour it on his like fucking chicken breast and salad and just went, oh, like full volume. I know. <laughs> Realizing what he just did. Goddamn kids. Um, so there's sequels to this movie. Okay, I was wondering about that. I think there's like three sequels. I think there's like a Poltergeist 2 and 3. I know there's also remakes. Is it the same family? 
I don't know. Let me look it up real quick. I don't think so. I know there's also a remake, which I've heard is not good. Um, and I don't know if, like, Poltergeist 2 and 3 are good. But it is, like, interesting. I knew nothing about this movie. No, no like... I heard nothing about it. But like I told you, when I was watching, like, this movie specifically, its third act, it reminded me a lot of, like, specifically season 2 of Stranger Things. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, these are like, there's images here or like effects here or things that they're doing that are very poltergeist. Yeah, well, even like off the bat, I mean, yeah, I've only seen the first season. You've only seen half. the first season, yeah. Yeah, like you've seen like half of the second season. Of the and the stuff that I'm talking about is not, doesn't yeah. even get to the poltergeist stuff by the second half. Well, of the some season. of it though is in the first season though, of like the idea of the government. I wouldn't want to spoil Stranger Things, even though most people have seen it's it. It's okay. Spoiler alert for Stranger Things. For the, yeah. yeah, at least the first season of Stranger Things. The idea of like the, um, that kind of entry into the other dimension that's yes. regulated by the government that is kind of it looks like it's kind of visible at the end of the movie here and um and the idea of communicating with the child through like a weird means like it Wait, be I'm a, sorry what what level of government is involved in poltergeist no I'm I'm just I'm just talking about that particular portal that like entry that's like looks like it's made of like rotting meat or something like that. Yes, okay, I'm just saying okay. that idea is Okay, got it, got it, got it. But um and also the idea of communicating with the child through strange means like through the TV, like kind of like how the mom was talking to Will Byers through the lights. You yes. know what I mean? There's some of that stuff is in there like in the, the first season. Yeah. I'm just saying there's a second season where there's like direct comparison. Makes sense. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. Um but true. I mean like Stranger Things is also pulling from like Every '80s like yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, like a lot of the yeah. Goonies, Stand by Me, stuff. Goonies, all that good stuff. Yeah, so it's pulling from all those movies. And as I'm watching more of these like Goonies that we watched on this channel, uh, and then this, it's like making it clear. I'm like, oh, there's so many references they're pulling from. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm like taking off the list of the Spielberg presents movies. Yeah, what are know? some others? Well, I mean, the ones we watched before were Gremlins and Goonies. I've already seen Goonies. Oh, yeah, Gremlins was one. Gremlins was one, yeah. Gremlins feels like a Spielberg movie in its own way, too. Yeah, the first one, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the first one, I gotta, <laughs> gotta clarify. <laughs> the, yeah, one and, like, Gremlins 1 and 2 are kind of, like, amazing. Yeah. The first one is, too, but I love the second one. Yeah. Yeah, Gremlins 2 is awesome. I think Gremlins 2 is also now considered just great. Like, yeah. I think, of course, it was, like polarizing of course but now i feel like people are like this it's awesome they would never make something like this everyone appreciates it now for sure it took balls to make something like that fuck yeah dude yeah i think <laughs> bringing it back to poltergeist i think something like throughout this movie while we were watching it something i really appreciated was all was obviously like the um inventiveness in the camera work yeah there are a lot of really cool shots in this movie a lot of the cool use of the lighting and like the strobes and all that exactly like the final set piece until, like, the big head comes out. Well, it's not the final set piece, at least. But when they're putting the rope through the light, until the big head comes out. Before that, it's all, like, lighting and then that effect of the rope hanging off nothing yeah. at the, in the main floor. But it's just so amazing that these through these two simple effects, they are able to establish so much mm -hmm. and so much drama. Like, the way that room looks with that intense lighting yeah. is amazing. Well, it's also because the characters are so strong, too. Like, you really were rooting for them and felt that... You felt how much they wanted to get their kid back. 100%. But isn't it also kind of inspiring to look at that kind of filmmaking and yeah. just be like, okay, maybe I don't have the tools for special effects, but if I wanted to make a horror short film... If I got creative with the way I use lighting and ca my camera, and if I wrote interesting characters, then yeah. even I could make something as terrifying and also captivating. I think, like, 
a lot of the Spielberg presents, but also obviously Spielberg movies do that for me, where he's known for his big blockbusters with things you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. But especially with stuff like E.T., the stuff that I remember in E.T. is Elliot going through the uh, going through the field and seeing him, but it's with lighting. Yeah, yeah. The tension is, isn't just carried by the special effects. I think like that's something people forget about Spielberg because he's also the man who created dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. We associate him with spectacle, for sure. But he is able to do things with such simple moves. And um, again, I know Tobe Hooper directed this, but it is something I think about when I think about these Spielberg Presents movies. Yeah, well, I mean, going off that, there's a ton of amazing short horror films on YouTube as well. That are one you and I reference a lot is Lights, Lights Out. Out. That's an amazing horror. Film. If you guys haven't seen it, go see Lights Highly Out. Highly recommend go check it out. It's on YouTube. Literally, just type in Lights Out short film. It's funny. I think we recommended it on our Hereditary. We, we very well might have. Yeah, all all horror roads lead to Lights Out. It's it's one of the best horror shorts. Yeah. David Sandberg in general, guys. Like I don't know if you've seen his other shorts, yeah. but go on his channel, Pony Smasher. Um, he's an am- like he makes amazing shorts not only that he's the same guy who did the first two Shazam movies Animal Creation um, and also the Lights Out feature he is also a type of guy that like breaks down filmmaking um, with separate vlogs and stuff in a way where it's like very practical easy to understand he seems like a humble director highly recommend him yeah the director you know that new movie Skinamarink uh, uh, yes of course I want to check it out I haven't I'd seen like it. to check it out too everyone says if you're going to watch it like dial into it like Dark turn the room, lights no off. distractions exactly like it's a, it's a supposedly more of an experimental movie with a lot of atmosphere more so than like a direct plot i don't like watching movies on my like imac but um i was actually thinking about I was like if i want to watch that movie i might want to watch it on my computer like with headphones, with headphones on yeah, yeah like to fully suck in because i wanted to see it in theaters but i didn't i didn't make it but the director uh kyle edward ball um he has a youtube channel as well before he made skin of Marink, and he did a project um, where he, f- I forget the name of the project, but you can check it out on his YouTube channel where he filmed his interpretation of his own nightmares mm-hmm. and along with other people in the comment section writing out what their nightmares were and he would pick them and then film it and try to emulate it. Basically. Wow. And they were done. That's so cool. It was cool. Yeah. They were done really simply too. Like the first one's really just kind of creepy long shot moving through a house and you can hear like TV static from far away. You know, it's it's just really simple, but same deal. Like like what you're saying about lights out, where it's it's very simple and achievable, and right. it just doesn't take a lot of spectacle to achieve tension. That's really cool. I think you told me like you watched his stuff before Skinamarink came out, right? Well, I, I heard about him through the trailer of Skinamarink, so oh. it's not like I knew who he was. Oh, ahead of time. but you looked him up. Yeah, well, because we were at the Lemley Theater and the fucking trailer for Skinamarink came on, and that unsettled me so much. It was such a creepy Which trailer. Is, so you know that's interesting because like I remember you were talking to me about that. You're like, oh, that looks cool, mm-hmm. or whatever. You like were invigorated by that. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I found interesting about your reaction was. You don't really have that kind of reaction to movie trailers. I don't get giddy over trailers a whole lot, no. I do, yeah. but like... I'm not like acting like I'm better than people who no, enjoy no, trailers, no, no, no. to be I, clear, but I, still, yeah. I'm just telling the difference between you and I. Yeah, I'm not I, as reactive, for sure. Like, to trailers, yeah. at least. You like to actually not watch trailers and go mm-hmm. in, which I know a lot of people respect. But, like, I remember that trailer did affect you, so that is yeah. interesting. Well, you know, this is super random. I think I told you about this. I might have even said it on a podcast episode, so if people already know this, forgive me, but... 
I remember I saw Talladega Nights as a little kid in theaters. Mm. You know what they put a trailer on for before that movie started? Was it The, the Grudge? The Grudge 2. Okay, so you I told me I told about you, this. I yeah. might have said it on a podcast, like I said. The Grudge 2. My God, dude. Who the fuck puts a trailer to The Grudge 2 before Talladega Nights? I was like nine and it terrified me. Nine you, or ten. You know where you said this? Huh. Little Miss Sunshine podcast. Oh, you were talking about your first yeah, rated R movie. That's right. That's right. That's what it was. Okay. Okay. You're talking about what your favorite rated R movie was, and it was Talladega Nights, and the Grudge Two trailer came on. We should keep like a lore checklist of stories we've told each other over the podcast. I wonder how often that happens with newer podcasters accidentally repeating stories. Oh, but I'm sure there's some people appreciate because some people might not listen to the Little Miss. Sunshine true. Podcast. True. True. It's just yeah. funny. Um, it's interesting. I feel like I feel like horror movies are at a stage right now. Where there's still, like, great traditional horror movies coming out. Like, Talk To Me came out. And mm-hmm. it Talk To Me feels like it has a new style and tone, but still feels pretty traditional. Yeah, I haven't seen Talk To Me yet. I I'm not spoiling it for yeah. you or the viewers, right? But um, then there's, like, some experimental stuff coming out, like Barbarian. Mm-hmm. Where or like, Skinamarink, me too. Barbarian, Skinamarink. Like, it's messing with form a little bit, mm-hmm. which I find very exciting. I like the fact that, like, oh, this genre is evolving. Yeah, I know. It'd be nice if the other genres evolved too, but, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you look at um, action and the way it's evolved, right? Like, early 2000s action was very uh, just trying to copy Jason Bourne with the quick cuts. And now we're at a stage where it evolved into John Wick-style action, which is like... A lot of wide, heavy wide shots. Yeah, which is... It's cool. So I feel like even though it's not evolving as excitingly as horror, all genres are kind of like... They move. And that I've... I always find that super exciting, you know? That's true, that's true. I guess I was being a little cynical just because of how many remakes and franchise reinvigorations. Oh, we just me. had a conversation about this right before we shot this No reaction. one's more cynical than I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think if you look outside of the superhero genre, which, like, to be fair, you and I aren't as much sucked in as we used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look outside the superhero genre, a lot of, like, uh, like a lot of genres are kind of changing form, you know? Mm-hmm. The th- movies that are still not being made are studio dramas, which I would love for them to come back, but like when it comes to horror, thriller, action, um, science fiction, even. Yeah. What about comedy? Comedy's another thing where it's kind of obsolete now. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a bummer because like studio comedies used to be a huge thing. I mean, No Hard Feelings came out this year, and it was this big deal because it was like, oh my god, a studio comedy. Um, but studio comedies aren't made that much anymore because people got their comedy fixed from superhero movies. Yeah, that's true, huh? But now it's I'm curious because superhero movies are not dwindling, but they are becoming less and less exciting yeah. for people. Yeah, they're they're making less and less money. It's people really are not rushing out to theaters, so I wonder if now like uh, people are going to be like excited to go see the studio comedies. I know Theater Camp that movie did pretty well in theaters. Oh yeah, I want to see that one. Yeah, Theater Camp was felt like an um, felt like just like a good old comedy. And I saw it in a packed theater. People were dying laughing. And I kind of just was like, oh, man, I miss laughing with people in the theater. <laughs> I know. Isn't that such a simple experience? We, we, we yearn for it so much. We also need the fucking Rogan guys, Seth Rogan, Evan Goldberg, to come back and make a good old comedy again. I just feel like we haven't – the Judd Apatow team handled it for a while. Yeah. And those people have just been making TV shows. Yeah. yeah and true. I kind of miss them in movies, you know? Fair enough. Uh, mm-hmm. But – Horror is like the genre that you and I always keep talking about. It's not dying. Yeah, yeah no, that's going as strong as ever, and it's always being inventive. It's always doing new things, you know. Now, and to bring it back to Poltergeist a little bit, it's just interesting to see that like a movie like this still 
you can take a lot from. You know what I mean? Even though horror's changed so much, you can still look at it and be like, like I said, simple filmmaking tricks can still give you that feeling. You can still elevate a movie a lot. Yeah. And also, like, a movie can be both entertaining and have big ideas. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what I think about it all the time, where it's like, Texas Chainsaw is like, so a movie that I, I really love, I think is a great movie. I wouldn't call it entertaining in the sense just because I don't like to just put that on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a lot of screaming. It's a noisy movie. It's like pretty, it's very visceral. Very visceral. Yeah. But Poltergeist is a movie where I'm like, this scares me. But at the same time, I'd love to put this on on a Friday night. Well, yeah, and it has like kind of a Hollywood, not in a bad way, but it has kind of that popcorn Hollywood wrapped up in a bow type ending. You and I talk about it all the time. We love James Wan, yeah, right? But when you go see a James Wan movie, I'm never like scared. Like per se, I'm never like, oh God. Mm-hmm. I'm more like, ooh, okay, this is thrilling. Exactly. It feels it, like you're riding a roller coaster in a good way. In a, a in a great way. Like you, like I loved Malignant. You and I love Insidious. Yeah. Um, like the Conjuring movies are great, you know, but he makes what I like to call popcorn horror mm-hmm. and that's not a dig at all. We love those movies. You need those movies. Yeah. But every now and then you need like a barbarian too, like, which I consider also something that was super exciting and fun to see. And then you need talk to me. That'll fuck you up for That'll it. actually be frightening to watch. <laughs> you haven't seen both talk to me or Bar- barbarian. No, no. I'm planning on watching this year though. Man. Yeah, those are some classics. Thank you guys so much for watching the After the Reaction. We really appreciate it. Also, welcome to the podcast channel. We have other videos, our main Nice Dude Movie podcast you can go check out. We have the Hereditary podcast up for Spooky Season. We'll Mm -hmm. have another Spooky Season podcast up on a movie we won't reveal just yet. But go ahead, subscribe, check the channel out, enjoy. Thank you so much for watching. Stay spooky, dudes. (laughs) 